This podcast is brought to you by the Nuclear Energy Institute. It powers our cities. It boosts our economy. It creates jobs. It even powers space travel. It's nuclear energy. And it does so much more than you think. Discover all nuclear is doing at discovernuclear.com backslash CQ. From the CQ Roll Call Newsroom in Washington, this is the Big Story Podcast, your nonpartisan news source for how Congress and the federal government shape the real world. I'm joined today by Kate Ackley, one of our, our reporters here at CQ Roll Call. She covers lobbying and ethics and all kinds of like great stuff that uh, people just cannot get enough of. And Julian Ha, who is a partner at Hydric and Struggles, which is an executive search and leadership consulting firm. And uh, we were talking a little bit uh, before the show uh, that uh, there are a couple of terms of art for it, Julian. Uh, the, in, in Polite Company, it's executive search consultant. And on the street, it's a headhunter. Absolutely so, right. <laughs> so welcome to the Big Story Podcast, Julian. It's great to have you in studio. Thank you so much. This is part two of a, of a Quitting Congress uh, a series that we're, we're looking at. And uh, what we have seen is that Congress is sort of behind in terms of, of people who have announced that they're either searching for you know another job or they're retiring or they're going for a higher office. But we have seen a little bit of an uptick. And uh, before we get to... Um, to your, uh, we're, we're going to get a quick rundown of what you do and, and how you do it. But but Kate uh, brought along what she's what she calls one of her favorite parts of the roll call universe, and one of mine too, which is the casualty list. Kate, tell us, let's talk about the casualty list, and and we, this is a list that we update. What is it telling us? Well, the casualty list, roll calls casualty list, just is a list of all the people who are retiring have died. Um, in this particular Congress. So it's a it's a list of retirements, a list of people who are leaving to run for other office or have been appointed. You know, Jeff Sessions is on it. He was obviously a senator from Alabama and is now the uh, attorney general. So it lists wherever people have gone in that specific Congress. And because I have covered lobbying for a number of years, I sort of use it as uh, the K Street uh, farm team or, you know, kind of a, a, a list that will give you a sense of maybe some of the people who will be landing on K Street or at least looking to land on K Street or in some other advocacy role. Julian, let's talk a little bit about what you do. I mean, you have, uh, you've, you're somebody who helps, you know, join people who are maybe looking to leave the public sector. Uh, I mean, for, for somebody like Sessions, theoretically, he has a little bit more time as attorney general. Uh, and he, he's, a, he's a little older. He might retire. He might go to work for a K Street firm or, or something like that. In general, let's talk about lower-profile uh, members and 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 if they're just retiring, if they're looking at retiring at the end of 2018, at the end of the 2018 cycle, where do you come in, and where where do you and and the, and the people you work with and for come in? Sure, Jason. Um, so I, I guess there's uh, two sides to the uh, job search equation, right? There's the the supply and the demand. Uh, we represent the demand side, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, again, we represent uh, private companies, public companies, foundations, trade associations. Uh, so those organizations retain us, hire us uh, to help them with talent solutions, whether it's a p- specific position that needs to be filled or consulting around succession planning or whatnot. So those are our clients. Uh, the, the candidates are not our, our, our clients in this case. Uh, having said that, there, as I said, there are two sides to the equation, so we need to always balance it out. 
And so we're always in the market uh, getting to know good talent uh, and uh, former elected officials uh, are, are comprised part of that world, uh, especially the uh, the types of searches that, uh, that, 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 that I do in my practice, uh, which are government affairs and trade association work. In the in general, I mean, we're we were talking about this in the last podcast with uh, Nathan Gonzalez, uh, and and how he says that he's noticed that there's a there's a sort of a type uh, of of retiree that we see at at this point. I mean, there there's always a sudden departure or a sudden retirement that we don't necessarily anticipate, or somebody loses that we didn't anticipate. But in general, people who are retiring. Are fit into this mold of of having maybe five to fifteen years or so of work of their working life left. They perhaps have been in public service for a while, and they're looking for an opportunity to augment their earnings before they uh, build a sailboat or whatever people do (laughs) (laughs) at different points. Uh, And that seems to comport relatively well, Kate, right, with what we're seeing with with the retirements. I mean, Charlie Dent, he's he's in his late fifties. He's been in Congress for almost twenty years, and he's probably going to do quite well. You know, I mean, he he, he can look forward to maybe again f- five to fifteen years of of working, you know, squirreling away some cash, uh, working for, in the private sector, right? Well, and he's also somebody who has been a moderate, a pro, you know, kind of representing the uh, the pro business side of the Republican Party, which would, would have more, I would say, opportunity just to represent the business community here in Washington. It's a more natural fit. I think you're right. He fits that profile, his age, his experience, and so forth. Um, I, I'd be curious to know, Julian, what you think. Who are the most? Who would be the most sought after on this year's casualty list, or this Congress's casualty list so far? And is it is it slim pickings? Is it a is it a pretty good crop, or what? What do you make generally of of the folks who are leaving? Sure. I, I think um, to answer that question without maybe naming names right now, um, it, you know, we, we look at runway, right, which is a, a, a... A gentleman doesn't lunch and tell. Is that what you're telling us, Julian? <laughs> Not yet. I'm still waiting for my martini here. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we look at a person's experience, as you've said, Kate, you know, how much experience they've collected, what committees they've served on, what brand name they, they can bring with them, and the cachet. I, I think, honestly, you know, the days of uh, a former member just sauntering into a K Street firm, into a sinecure, those days are gone, if it ever existed, right? Um, I think these professional service firms have to look at a potential candidate for their ability to to generate billings for that firm. Um, now, there are some other places they can go, and we can talk about that in a minute, but, uh, you know, focusing on K Street, lobbying firms, multi-client firms, um, you, you know, the, the, they do take a hard look at a former member uh, a former governor, a former senator, um, and and evaluate whether that person can bring uh, some luster to that firm and can eventually generate uh, work for for their partnership. Um, so it, it's not the you know just walking in and expecting everything to be set up for you anymore. I would I would assume that like someone who is a statewide office holder who per- perhaps has been in the Senate for two or three years, somebody who would be ripe for retirement, mm-hmm. that would that might attract more interest from the people that you represent than, say, somebody who's just represented a rural district for two terms in, in sort of the heartland. I think you're absolutely right, Jason. I mean, there's a, definitely a bifurcation of, of, of senators um, and some of the star power they can bring uh, versus a, a congressman. Now, having said or congresswoman, having said that, if, if the congressperson has served for, you know, 10, 20 years, you know, 10 terms, has been a chair of a, of a significant uh, valued committee, 
Ways and Means, Commerce, uh, Foreign Affairs. I think those folks will stand out from the congressional you know, House side. Uh, but generally, senators um, have a, a little bit more uh, just, you know, wind behind their back going into the, the job market. That's absolutely true. I will note that senators, unlike House members, have a two-year cooling-off period. That's sort of their lobbying ban. They're not allowed to lobby anyone on Capitol Hill for two years. They are allowed to do work at the uh, administration level. Um, but it, it's obviously not something it, that has uh, stopped people from mm. going to K Street firms, even during that two-year cooling-off period. But it is something that some firms that are really looking at their bottom lines are going to have to think about. Do they want to bring on this person, pay them probably a million dollars or more per year, while they so, sort of sit on the sidelines for a period of time. Uh, so that's, that's one thing that's sort of unique about senators. But I think both former House members, former senators, I hear this all the time from people like Julian, that there is a little bit of a disconnect of the expectations that people who are on the Hill, um, or at least it has been that way. And, and I don't know if there are other factors that, and I'm sure there are many factors why people haven't announced their retirements yet, but I wonder if some of it is that they're testing the waters in, you know, in the K Street firms, but also other, you know, post-Congress um, activities, whatever those might be. And they might just not be finding the, the sort of kickback, lucrative big deals, you know, the, that they might have expected to, to find in the past. And, and to be fair, Kate, I think some of these members, um, you know, they, they, many of them are very prepared to roll up their sleeves and, and, and um, get into the weeds and, and, and really do the heavy lift for some of these jobs. But, but to your point, they may be finding that there's still a little bit of dissonance between what their expectations are and what the market is, is offering at this point. So, um, you know, we, we, in our searches, we often uh, do vet uh, current or former, soon-to-be former members mm-hmm. uh, for some of our positions, uh, especially for, I would say, trade association roles, CEO jobs and executive director positions. And, and we've seen, you know, a number of uh, uh, former elected officials um, move into those positions. Governor Pawlenty at the Financial Services Roundtable, Cal Dooley leading the American Chemistry Council, Senator Dodd, who just stepped down from Motion Pictures, um, so th- there is that that also that pathway into association roles, uh, but some of them are heavy lifts, and mm-hmm. so it's not for everybody. One of the things that Roll Call has been paying attention to for the last few cycles is that we are in the middle of of what seems like a generational shift. Um, you know, there's there's a, a large amount of experience. Uh, in the last ten years or so, that has that has either lost or retired, um, and and sort of gone out the door. I mean, we've had a couple of changes in the majority in the House, uh, a couple of changes in, the, in the, or one change uh, in the last ten years in the in the Senate. Uh, but you have a lot of people who are relatively new uh, in 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 the House, in particular. And there, we're not talking about some huge legislative accomplishments. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, they're they're struggling to do health care. Uh, they're struggling to do taxes, tax reform. Um, you know, is is that a, a factoring into the market too? That you you have a large number of people who might be on the market, but they don't really have a lot of accomplishments. They, we're not talking about people who have shepherded like highway bills and things like that, like like a, sort of a previous generation in the last you know ten fifteen years. Is that is that a factor, Julian? I think actually the, the way I'll answer is that I think that may actually cause more retirements, mm-hmm. to your earlier point, because I think that frustration of the gridlock is, is, is sort of grinding down a lot of people who've served five, six, seven, eight terms. 
and, and they're getting to the point where, like, you know, I've done my service. I've done what I can. I came to D.C. to, to try to affect some change. It's just not going to happen in the next few years. So maybe now I'm going to hang up my spurs and, and do something else. I think the more recently elected members, they probably still have some fire in the belly and feel they have to finish what they started or uh, feel they have a, a shot at it. And, and so therefore, they may still hang on for a little bit longer. And now, more from our sponsor, the Nuclear Energy Institute. It powers our cities and towns across the country. It creates jobs. It adds billions to the economy. It even powers space travel. Life as we know it wouldn't be life as we know it without it. And it's called nuclear energy. Yes, nuclear energy. Every day, nuclear energy helps us to keep our country running and moving forward. Discover all the things nuclear is doing at discovernuclear.com backslash CQ. Nuclear power, the extraordinary. Kate, you a few years ago coined this term, uh, the unlobbyists. You refer to some of them. Is that is that something that you're, you're seeing still uh, like picking up? I think it still continues. And basically what, what we mean when we say unlobbyist is the people who are not willing to register as a federal lobbyist under the Lobbying Disclosure Act. Then they have to disclose who their clients are, a little bit about the money that they are uh, bringing in from those clients. Or if you're at a trade association, you would just represent uh, that one client. It's going back, uh, you know, for years, this has been the case. I mean, I can remember when Bob Dole, the former uh, Kansas senator, when he first went to K Street, he made a big fuss about he was not a lobbyist. Bob Dole is not a lobbyist. He wasn't going to lobby. He was working at a firm. Um, He had clients, uh, presumably. Fast forward a few years, he registered to lobby. Uh, It's a bipartisan thing. Um, Also, you know, former Senator Tom Daschle, both he and Dole are former Senate majority leaders. Um, You know, uh, Daschle also would not register to lobby. Now he is a registered lobbyist. He also took the step of registering as a foreign agent. He represents foreign government clients. So he went, you know, full on. Um, I think it's not so much something that is, uh, is it's not something that people are sort of slowing down what they're doing, and now they're all registering. That is not the case. I think it's actually more of a personal thing that once they get into that job for a few years and they realize that if they're really going to follow the letter of the law and not register, they're going to have, you know, they're going to be handcuffed, you know, in a very serious way. They're not going to be able to do their job effectively. And so at some point, it's like the joke is up and they're going to need to do that. But former House Speaker John Boehner from Ohio, he is at uh, one of the biggest, most high profile lobbying firms, Squire Patton Boggs. He is not a lobbyist, though, under the uh, Lobbying Disclosure Act definition. He's still um, sort of doing that strategic consulting. Clients are paying him presumably just for his guidance and counsel and, and sort of insight into what's going on on Capitol Hill. But I would suspect, and I don't know, Julian, you'll have to weigh in, if he stays on K Street for some number of years, will he really continue to do this sort of unlobbying gig? Or will he just say, you know, I'm just going to register because it's easier. I can go up there. I can talk to people. I don't have to worry about it. And I don't have people asking me questions. I, I, you know, just a couple of reactions to what Kate said. I, I think um, it's registering becomes a reality of the position, right? Mm-hmm. If, if they settle into a into a, a Squire Patton firm or an Alston Bird or whatnot, uh, they realize that if they like this and they're doing well, um, 
that to continue to be effective, they do have to, to register um, because the significant portion of their time is representing clients on the Hill. You mentioned uh, Speaker Boehner. I think you know he's I think currently taking what I call sort of the portfolio approach, right? He has a, a law firm as, as a platform, but he's also recently joined a, a board of a of a tobacco company. And, and amazing, he's also, a tobacco company, you say? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he also drinks red wine. That's so just may, personal maybe, preference, uh, I think, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, and, and so, and, and he's also doing the speaking circuit. He is somebody who has that name recognition, right. who can command that kind of. Uh, uh, compilation uh, of things. Not every former member will be able to, to structure their post-service uh, c- career that way. Uh, but that is another option uh, for, for former members. One thing that I'm, I'm really curious about, Julian, is that, I mean, in, on, you know, we cover politics, like, you know, where we cover elections and campaigns. We've got this, you know, election in Alabama the, to replace Jeff Sessions. And you hear all just railing against the swamp and you hear the president of the United States talk about the swamp and draining the swamp and so forth. How what's the ecosystem uh, condition of the swamp right now? <laughs> what's the market like? Is it, is it really drying up or because it seems uh, as healthy as, as ever? It's a great question. Um, you know, normally when you have a change in party, let alone administration, uh, there's a great uh, amount of turnover and therefore a lot of opportunities for folks like us to actually assist with, to backfill positions because the, they, the, the new administration often draws talent from people who are currently um, running a D.C. office for a corporate organization. Um, this time we just have not seen that. And, and that could be for various reasons, right? People can't serve, won't serve, don't want to serve. Um, and as a result, um, these are my, this is my term, but I think the system is constipated. Uh, it's just <laughs> not moving. There's no turnover. Uh, because often those people who are in those corporate positions or trade association roles, um, they may have supported another candidate. And therefore, their guy or gal is not in, 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 in the West in the Oval Office, and therefore uh, they're staying put. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if they're staying put, that means there's less turnover uh, and, and sort of backfill opportunities for folks like us to help with. So I've never seen it as slow as I've seen it now, to be honest. So not answering the question about the swamp itself, but but I can tell you the the waters are not really moving that right. much. If I can well, extend the analogy, that seems to comport with what we're, we're what Kate and I are seeing in in the midst of our reporting, which is that. Um, you know, you have a backlog of executive nominations. Uh, even people who are non-controversial are not moving through the system very quickly uh, because the Senate is not moving very quickly on, on their nominations. Everything from district judgeships in, you know, Idaho to assistant secretaries of state are not moving. So that would, it would seem to, like, jive, you know, really, that, like, that we're, we're not seeing staff positions filled as quickly uh, mm. at, at the congressional level. And it, it just, it seems to have a sort of a domino effect. So um, I, I, uh, we're not a family program, so we can go ahead and say that the swamp is constipated. (laughs) (laughs) So Julian, here's the money question. (laughs) What kind of candidate, um, what kind of lawmaker are, are your clients looking for and realistically, what the I mean, obviously, a, a speaker Boehner would make more money than than somebody who like represents a, a smaller district or has a l- lower profile. But what's the range of money that we're talking about for uh, for how much somebody can make? I mean, lawmakers make uh, you know one hundred and seventy thousand dollars a year. Plus, they have a lot of perks in terms of you know getting back and forth to their district and so forth. But they they're talking about fairly sizable jumps in income. 
Uh, and are any of these ideal candidates looking to you? Are they are they approaching your either your firms or you directly or indirectly? Sure, I'll answer the second part first. Um, uh, the answer is yes. We, we do have uh, inbound uh, inquiries, uh, either directly or sometimes through a chief of staff. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't name names, but but that does happen because people are thinking ahead and perhaps some have announced they're not going to be running again. Some some are still thinking and, and they want to see what else could be out there for themselves, right, in terms of the market. Um, to answer the first part of the question, I, I'd say we'd have to look at the three different types of um, channels that we've, we've referred to. One is the K Street job, the, the multi-client firm. Uh, the second are trade association uh, positions um, representing industry members. And, and the third would be sort of uh, corporate roles, right, representing the Googles of the world and whatnot. Um, the, the, the first one, you know, again, I think Kate threw out a number earlier, and, and I think overall that's probably correct. It's, you know, you're looking at a, at a million plus, mm-hmm. uh, depending on the, the provenance of this person, mm-hmm. the, the cachet they can bring to the firm, and sort of what gaps they can fill in terms of uh, helping win, win clients and, and improving the brand of the firm and the practice. Um, for the, the second category of trade associations, they don't offer equity. There's no options or stock. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the importance of the trade association roles has really been uh, elevated over the last few years uh, because industry wants to use their trade association as their voice mm-hmm. uh, instead of individuals, you know, companies starting to say, I, I need this, I want that. And so the caliber of talent we've seen, and we've done some research in this space, um, ha- has really been elevated. And therefore, it's a long way of saying, I think the salaries have also gone up and you see quite a number of seven-figure plus salaries for some of the more plum jobs. In terms of corporate roles, that's where it gets really interesting. If you aggregate the cash and then potentially the the worth of the options, mm-hmm. which could be fantastic wallpaper someday or could be really you know that yacht <laughs> that right. you sail off into, the sunset, um, that, that's where it could be quite uh, quite lucrative uh, for the right person. So those are the three buckets that I see. And, where, and we saw this with the former majority leader, Eric Cantor, who went to he went to work for an investment bank, uh, which has a lot more ways of paying uh, an, an officer uh, than, say, a, like you said, a, tr- a trade association and so forth. And that's right. Julian, thank you so much for joining us. Kate, thank you very much for 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 joining us too. Uh, this has been a fascinating discussion. I mean, anytime we can talk about money and things like this, it it, it gets even better that we can get just beyond the politics. All right, thanks very much. I'm Jason Dick. Thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on NPR One. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs>